We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 229. We just finished watching Severino absolutely eat the Astros alive. What a performance. You know, it's it's awesome when you can actually count on a guy coming out every fifth day and dominating the opponent. And that's exactly what Severino's did. We've really only seen one bad start from him. Um, right. And, you know, coming out against the Astros, especially after the what happened the night before, you know the Astros were motivated to come out there and, and win that game, and didn't happen. It was it was huge start all around. We're going to get into everything for Severino. Um, it's been an amazing series, I think. You know, first of all, the games are are moving quickly, which you don't really realize until you start watching three hour games. You're like, oh crap, three hours and forty minutes is a long time for games. So the games are moving quickly. They're well pitched. They're well played. 
And um, you'll hear we have Brian Hoke on this uh, episode on the second half here. We were talking about sort of the atmosphere and the, and the competition between these two teams, almost like it was just an extension of the ALCS. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it is. They know. These two teams know exactly who, who the other guy is. There's nobody taking anybody for granted or taking them lightly or um, you know, looking forward to other series. Like, this is the one that's, that's circled on the, on the calendar now. And um, this, this, these two teams are going to be going back and forth forever. I mean, it was such a good AOCS, and it was so you know, well fought and hardly fought that these guys know um, that they just can't slip up because the, the other team's going to win. And they want to beat the team so badly now. You could tell. You could just see it. They, they, they don't like each other in the sense that they need, to, uh, they need to win. I don't think there's really animosity yet. Or maybe a little bit, but not not crazy amount. Um, but you, you well, definitely it's, it's see motivation tough. to win. Yeah, it's tough when you're to gain a lot of animosity when the team's not in your own division. Yeah, I, I mean, because playoffs you only can see do them that twice a year. The, the playoffs can do it. Absolutely, yes. playoffs can do that. Um, but I don't think really anything was uh, you know was animosity building for for the right. long term. And I think everybody realizes that one way or the other, Yankees are going to have to go through some sort of combination of Cleveland. The Red Sox and Houston. <laughs> it's like we know kind of already where the four teams are going to end up because they're clear-cut in a way, the best teams in the American League right now. And guess who's but, on this stretch of, uh, of baseball for the Yankees? Those exact teams. Right, right. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that's working out. Um, before we get into everything, though, just want to mention, so as I said, Brian Hoke um, on the second half of this episode, he gave us three signed copies of his book, The Baby Bombers, that we're going to be giving away on social media. So if you want to enter these contests, make sure to uh, keep a lookout on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You need to be following us on all of those, and you also need to be following Brian on all of those. And then on Twitter, you're going to need to retweet the the uh, the tweet that goes up to enter the contest. On Instagram, you're going to need to comment and tag a friend. And then on Facebook, you're going to need to do the same. You're going to need to comment, uh, tag a friend, and share it on Facebook. And we will be picking a winner on the next Monday's show. So we're going to be uh, recording that Sunday night, and we will announce the winner uh, on Monday's show. Yes, you and Dom will be doing that one. I will be, uh, I will be missing this next show. It's the first one I've missed in a long time. And uh, it's because I'm going to be um, taking my life into other people's hands <laughs> in New Orleans. for. I'm a little worried, man. Um, you're worried for a bachelor party. Uh, I got another guy friend who, uh, who hasn't gotten married yet. Uh, I, thought I, I, I thought my brother was the last one, but no, it's not. Uh, there's, there's more on the list, unfortunately. And, uh, and yeah, so I'll be in New Orleans with my uh with my college friends which is not good have you been to new orleans before yeah i was there on my honeymoon so a little different a little different Ooh. uh we we went actually we just we went on a cruise and we left from new orleans so it was uh we didn't really get to see new orleans too much because uh my wife was sick on the way there and i was sick on the way back so <laughs> neither one of us was it we able to like go out and like having a stomach bug in new orleans is probably the last place you want to have a stomach bug because there's really not much you can find that's bland you know what i mean like that you want to just that, that can uh, help you pass it so well, something tells me that your experience different. on a bachelor party will be slightly different than your experience on a honeymoon might be a little different <laughs> uh going into this houston series it was strength against strength the yankees came in with the top leading offense they led in runs homers and ops houston was the top leading pitching staff they led in era strikeouts and whip and so far, offense has not really showed up for either side. The Yankees pitching, whether it was Sonny Gray on, on Monday, who 
lost the game, but he did look a lot better and kept the Yankees in that game. Or the bullpen collectively on Tuesday, and then obviously Severino with the with the complete game performance. The Yankees pitching has absolutely stepped up and allowed the offense to just get enough, just get enough out of that offense. Yeah, it's funny that we're we're you know commending Sonny Gray for his last start, but when you start looking at the you know the previous starts, I think at this point we're all just looking for some glimmers of hope and and just to to see him try to turn a corner, kind of like what we were doing with Tanaka last year and. Uh, you know, hopefully we're not seeing a, uh, you know, a, a, long, a lengthy stretch like we did Tanaka because that was the end of June until he actually started pitching well. Uh, but he did look a lot better. He did look a lot better. You could tell that he, he seemed to have more confidence. Um, he was throwing the ball. Uh, it seemed to, you know, he was hitting corners and, and being more aggressive with the strike zone. So it was definitely good signs. And now we've got a personal catcher situation. I think because... we do. No, we definitely do. It's well, not even a question. I know. I know. Boone is trying to downplay it, saying that uh, it's not permanent. But for the foreseeable future, it looks like Romine will be catching Sonny Gray. And uh, here's the quote: He said, uh, "When the schedule makes sense, we will try and get uh, Gary Sanchez in." So uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe down the line, after the All Star break, we might see. Uh, Sanchez catching Sonny Gray again but this is all assuming I guess that Sonny Gray continues to progress because if he goes out there the next three starts and lays an egg well then what the hell is the point of having Romine back there yeah I mean and and the start before that Romine was there as well and he put up another egg so it's you know in his own mind he he claimed that he had progression and you know while there were a few pitches that I saw progress on it wasn't totally um, there so I, I don't know I think this is all mental for him and whatever. At this point, I just don't care anymore about, about the whole personal catcher situation at this point because really the priority right now is we need Sonny Gray to get back, get his confidence back, uh, and then they can figure out the catcher situation later. I think it's it's early enough in the season where if they're doing this, like, and I don't like it, don't get me wrong, I don't like it. It's annoying, and I think it's uh, it's it's unprofessional, <laughs> to honestly, is, is what it really is for Sonny Gray, but... It's early enough where he needs to fix himself for the longevity and the uh, you know the success of this team, right? And I I think to be honest, I think Boone and the Yankees hate it too that they have to do this. They tried to avoid this at all costs. Yeah, well, I don't know if at all costs, but they they don't want it. It's not an ideal situation, you know. Boone well, does, Sonny Boone's Gray been made outspoken it, about it. Sonny Gray made it pretty abundantly clear that he rather pitched to uh, Romine. So at that point, if you send Sanchez out there, then it's a huge story. Then it's a big thing. And they weren't going to do that. Yeah, I guess it's 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 crazy. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know if, if Sonny Gray has has really put up. Uh, we haven't really had. He hasn't come out and said, "I'm," uh, you know, "I want to throw to to Romine." Obviously, I mean, he, there he have been things did. before that. I mean, he didn't, but he he was talking about uh, the 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 different starts when you hear him afterwards when he throws a Romine. He sounds different. Um, yeah, but. You know, he hasn't like come out and said, "Hey, I need a personal catcher. I need Romine as my catcher." It's not like he's making that a point. the The point is just a, a clear point by the way he's talking, and I'm sure he's having conversations behind the scenes uh, exactly. with Boone and and you know the rest of the guys. So um, it is what it is right now. It's just I'm not going to get too concerned about it because at the end of the day, I just want him pitching well. And I think once he's well, once he's doing well, and once he's got more confidence, they can um, start switching guys around. So you you said he kind of you only saw some some glimpses that he looked better from two starts looked, ago from two starts ago two starts ago okay yeah Monday night he looked like a different pitcher yeah oh, six I agree inning, six innings four hits two earned runs three walks four strikeouts but he threw sixty six percent fastballs which is by far the most he's thrown this season in a start 
Yeah, I mean, we're seeing that from Tanaka too, right? Maybe uh, Larry Rothschild is is taking a gander at his game plan because that was the guy that was uh, you know that was really behind all of the 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 high percentage of curveballs and um, breaking just breaking pitches in general. Um, so you know, I think we're seeing a, a change in philosophy overall for for a lot of these guys. I mean, you're looking at look at all the pitchers now. Um, even Cece, you know, can when he throws it, he can locate it, but he is pri- primarily um, off speed, he's a different animal just because of the way he pitches. But you're seeing a, an uptick, at least from last year, with the fastball. Yeah, and Sonny Gray was using his fastball differently. It wasn't just that he was throwing it; he was actually throwing it up in the zone. It had movement. Um, I it was 92 to 93, but honestly, it felt like it was playing faster to the Astros hitters because they didn't have a lot of good swings off of it. And he worked out of jams, which is also something he was unable to do earlier in the season. And I don't know about you, but do you remember in the first inning he balked? Yes. And I'm like, oh god, here we go! Yes. Like the wheels are coming off the off the train. In the first inning, are you kidding me? But he got his shit together, and he and he just he plowed forward, which was nice to see. It's nice to see we're we're, we're coming from such a low bar at this point, right? <laughs> that, right. Yeah. That we're we're praising <laughs> a guy for you know having a, a little sw- uh, flinch because it was a balk. If you look at the rule, you, you can't do that. And it was it was a it was a bonehead move on his part too. I mean, yeah, it was it was very minor, and it really didn't affect the runner. But it by the rule, that's a balk. So look. I, I just need him to be right because the fastball, you're talking about how the fastball was uh, 91 to 93 and it looked more, uh, looked, uh, looked faster than that. And that's, that's kind of the whole point. If you're, if you're locating that fastball and then you're, you're mixing in the rest of the, the, um, the breaking pitches, your fastball is going to jump on the guys a lot more because of the way that he can mix up those pitches. And unfortunately, when he's bad, that fastball becomes less of a, a weapon as do the rest of the pitches because you're not, you know, you're not throwing them for strikes. So, they have to work off of each other. We, you know, we've talked about this a hundred times. They got to work off of each other. Yeah, and it was just unfortunate that Charlie Morton somehow uh, at, increased his fastball by six miles an hour and had the filthiest slurve you've ever seen. He just started throwing harder when he got to Houston. That's it. He's, I just started throwing harder. Uh, do easy you, as that. What do you think about uh, crazy Trevor Bauer or Tyler Bauer calling out the Astros? Trevor Bauer, uh, you had it right the first time. No, I know, but I called it Tyler because called him Tyler because that's what um, uh, Bregman called him on Twitter. Oh, did he? Yeah, <laughs> Bregman's an ass. Um, and then pa- Bauer actually now, if you look at his uh, Twitter profile, has Trevor quote Tyler Bauer in awesome. it as his name. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, one, I like the fact that they're they're going back and forth. Uh, I, I said this on Twitter is that um, someone sent me that tweet and uh, and I love it. You know, I like I like the openly. Uh, you know, calling people out. I mean, he was calling them out for, for doctor and balls or potentially doctor and balls. Fine. I like bad blood. It's so much better when there's bad blood between people. I uh, put out a Twitter poll today uh, on Yankees podcast. Uh, and I asked, do you care if the Astros are doing something with the ball that is not within the rules? 73% of the people said, yes, they want integrity in the game. Right. Do you, do you care? <laughs> Um, to an extent, if you're, if you're doing it and you're not getting caught, then no, because I think a lot of people do that. So I, I think so it's part you don't want to, you don't want to Pineda a pine tar situation where he bathed, bathed himself in pine tar and then went out to the Fenway park mount. I don't want that. I don't want the, uh, the clay Buckholtz sunscreen where it's right. just obnoxiously in my face. In, no. your, in his hair, his air, his yeah. hair looks sopping wet when it was like 40 <laughs> degrees outside. If, if you're doing something to the ball, like I think a lot of people are, I think a lot of people use pine tar. 
um, then and and it's not blatantly obvious and you're not showing it, then you know it's it's kind of part of the game. I, I mean, I think a lot of people would disagree with me on this because uh, you know it's it's cheating by the book, but there's also you know it that that type of stuff happens in baseball all the time, like all the we, time. I, I, I don't think you. I don't think it's as obvious as people think it is. I, they they may be using something, um, but when there's all this attention to uh, attention on it, like are they still gonna? do that as at the at that point i don't know well i don't know about you but i didn't notice anything unusual that the starters were doing no. either touch touching their cap or I going didn't. to their glove a lot or anything like that i didn't notice it either i did not i didn't notice it, anything that suspected it besides the movement on that breaking ball well it's the movement and it's also apparently the spin rate, spin rate for all of these pitchers and garrett cole has increased his spin rate dramatically on his fastball and garrett cole's been the best pitcher in, in baseball pretty much this year yeah good for him Good for him. Good for Garrett Cole, son of a bitch. You know, you know who could use some increased spin rate on his fastballs? That's Ken Giles because Gary Sanchez just broke his ass on Tuesday. I got to tell you, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen on television. <laughs> it was, it was uh, you know, just unbelievable seeing it as he's walking off, just jack himself in the face. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the videos afterwards and the gifts, they're just hilarious because this guy's never going to – Never, ever going to live this one down. Like, this is going to be the guy that punched himself in the face for the rest of his career. Yeah. And, and can, I, he, can he take the mouth guard out of his mouth when he talks <laughs> afterwards? Like, the guy uh, talks like he has a mouth guard in, all, like, 24-7. Well, he's probably punched himself in the jaw a few times <laughs> that, that he now has a lisp or something. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I can't, I can't hear him anymore. So, I understand some closers, sort of like goalies in hockey, they can be a little weird. But the, he took it too far. And... I, I don't want to say he like out, like outright clocked himself. I think he sold it a little bit. I think he had a little WWE flair on it. Yeah. But it's still it's the optics of the situation. Like you said, the gif is out there. The videos are out there. And now anytime this guy comes in, to certainly when he faces the Yankees, um, but when he faces any team, it's just, it's just going to be punching it. Like everyone's just going to be thinking of him punching it in his, in his face. Like yeah. how is he going to move on as a closer? How are you going to live that down? I don't know how you possibly live something like that down because now in social media, you can never get rid of these things. They, they're going to be there forever, forever. And I, when I, when I, uh, you sent me the video of it and then I slowed it down so that you could see like true impact. And <laughs> cause I felt like you, I felt like the speed of it while, while you could see like, uh, you know, it, it helped, uh, it helped show the punch in the face. Like it was that it was hard. But when you slow it down, you can see like the movement in the in the skin and like, you know, yeah. it, 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 like it, it's got like a ripple effect. It's it's good stuff. And no, I don't think this guy will ever live it down. I don't know how you could take him seriously. Um, do you think this we actually got this Twitter question? Do you think it's going to be uh, like the thumbs down situation where the Yankees might turn this into a little rallying cry? Anytime they get a big hit or, or a double or something like that, they do a fake punch in the jaw. So I saw that on Twitter. And as soon as I saw that genius idea we should call him out i don't remember who it was i'm gonna look it up but it was it's a genius idea i think absolutely that should be it that would be freaking amazing if they did that because what they did was fraser last year turned thumbs down on its head it was meant to right meant to boo the yankees and he turned it into a rallying cry i guess this is something the yankees inflicted like gary sanchez inflicted so much personal embarrassment on ken giles that he was forced to throw a temper tantrum and punch doesn't that make it better doesn't that make it it does make it better i mean i would absolutely love it if the yankees started doing this i mean don't you don't you see this as you know if they were to do that it's trolling the astros the entire season i I think it's i think it's brilliant 
I think it's absolutely. It was uh, Anthony Simone. Uh, Anthony Simone too. Good nice. call. Yeah, it was a great. It was a great tweet. Great idea. Um, like I like I said, I don't know how if I'm an Astros fan, I feel comfortable with Ken Giles as my closer going forward. <laughs> it's purely because he punches himself in the face. Yeah, yeah. That's un- that's unacceptable. Right. Like I do not feel comfortable trusting a one run lead anywhere with that guy. Well, I mean, he's he's uh, you know he's been a disaster in big moments before, so it's not like he's out of the woods with his pitching. The uh, the other parts are going to come. He still has to throw the ball over the plate and not get smacked out of the ballpark. I mean, the fact that he even threw that pitch to Gary Sanchez is baffling to me. Yeah, why why did the Astros not walk him? Well, I mean, I heard I heard the explanation afterwards uh, from Hinch, and he was saying similar to the way that we didn't want to pitch to smoke with the bases loaded in Toronto. They didn't want to pitch with the bases loaded because it was a there was one out. Um, and you could score one run at that point with an out, and he wanted to avoid that. So I, I understand that part of it because you're um, in the ninth inning, and a one run will probably win the game at that point, or very well win the game. So you got to play for not to get that one run across. So I, I mean, I kind of understand what they're saying with that, but at the same time, if you're going to do that, you got to be damn sure you're careful with him. You can't give him any pitches to hit. You got to get him out. Um, on your terms, not not right. throw anything uh, you know that he can do anything with. And I, I don't know. I kind of disagree with that because when it's Gary Sanchez versus Aaron Hicks, I'm facing Aaron Hicks all day as much as we like Aaron Hicks. But also with one out and the base is loaded, then you get a force play at every base. That it actually might be easier to to make some outs in the infield, especially than when it's second and third. Yeah, but a fly ball is a, is is a run. But, but a fly ball is a run regardless. Right. Well, either way. It's the, the, the deal. I know, but my point is, is that you're trying to get the guy out. Um, you're trying to get yeah. the guy out you don't by not walk, pitching you don't to wanna, him. You don't also want to put yourself in a situation where you're forced to throw strikes. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. it was um, first base was open. I understand it. And maybe he just didn't trust Ken Giles to throw strikes. Could have been maybe. that too. Um, and he threw him a cookie slider. I saw the ball. He hit the ball to center field, and I know center field there is massive. So I'm like, all right, yeah. if that at least gets the run in. And I saw it Springer just, just sprinting back, sprinting back. That thing got out there by a good amount. That hit high up on the uh, brick wall behind there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he didn't have a, a lot of trust in, in Giles to throw strikes because you know he didn't want to throw the ball where he threw the ball to Gary Sanchez. So he obviously wasn't locating very well. Um, yeah. he, he, got, he had a couple of balls that were teed up for, for Judge and Didi, too. So the guy wasn't on his game, obviously. And then he punched himself in the face. The thing I loved about it is the Yankees absolutely stole that game because Verlander was so filthy. Yep. He has been like, ridiculously filthy against the Yankees. Um, I mentioned the numbers when I spoke with Hoke, so let me, let me pull them up right now. Uh, he has 24 innings against the Yankees as an Astro, one run, 35 strikeouts. It's ridiculous. It's, it's it's insane, and I don't know why. I mean, I, I guess you could second guess them now and say he should have gone out there like Severino did for the complete game. You know, Verlander would like to do that, but I I can't imagine that. I mean, they're going to next time they're in that situation. I think we're not going to see Ken Giles. Oh no, absolutely not. You think Justin Verlander's going to give up the ball that time? Uh, the next time, I'm surprised he did this time. To tell you the truth, he's one of those guys where, um, you know, if he says he's good, he's good, right? You don't you don't really question if Justin Verlander says I'm good and I can go into the next inning especially when he's dealing the way he is uh he's he's got he's one of those guys that you can you can just rely on to uh to uh to to be his own man if you will uh but no he, he they didn't they, they they went in with the closer and I'm glad they did did you he, see by the way real quick before I forget did you see the tweet by I think it was a letterman an ex-letterman writer <laughs> it said uh Ken uh MLB suspends Ken Giles three games 
for punching Ken Giles <laughs> for, in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I saw his tweet, but I saw that tweet uh, circulated a few uh, times. There's so many good, so many good yeah. tweets around this Ken Giles punching himself <laughs> in the face. Ken Giles is now the butt of MLB Twitter jokes right now. Yeah, it's great. And uh, we have Gary Sanchez to thank for that. So the, the whole reason the Yankees had to go eight, eight innings out of their bullpen was because Montgomery left after the first inning. After a seven-pitch first inning, you're thinking, great, Monty's, Monty's off to a great start. But if you looked, his velocity was down. He kind of wiggled his left arm as he walked off. Turns out it's a flexor strain in the elbow. He's out six to eight weeks. Uh, he kind of downplayed it after the game, saying it's not going to be serious. But right. this is like what it, Boone's quote was, it's not good news, it's not it's not the best news. It's not the worst news. But this is not good news because if you remember, Caprellian had the same flexor strain back in 2016. And then a few months down the line, he had to have Tommy John surgery. Now, they don't think it's going to lead to Tommy John surgery for Montgomery. But anytime you're dealing with flexor strains in the elbow and this kind of thing, tightness in the elbow, scares the shit out of me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's not what you want. But the... Uh... I mean, their two pitchers are very different in the way that they throw as well. I mean, Caprillion was just a disaster waiting to happen, especially if you have any kind of thing going on with your elbow. If you're Caprillion in the way he throws, it's like you're toast. Um, Montgomery throws a little bit more over the top, and he sports the elbow a little bit more. So I'm surprised that he had that the injury. Uh, and if it is just a, a strain, you know, I really do hope that they can uh, that just some are some some rest will will help it and, and it won't go any further than that. But you, you're right. You don't know. You don't know. As soon as you're anytime you're dealing with a forearm or the elbow with a pitcher, it's not good news. Well, he's going to miss about 10 to 12 starts and Herman is going to take his place immediately. I think he definitely earned it after the way he pitched on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but some other options we might see from Scranton, Josh Rogers, who's a, who is a 23 year old lefty. He was drafted back in 2015 is actually having a really solid year. Three ERA 1.13 whip in five starts for Scranton. Everyone's going to immediately say, how about chance Adams? How about chance Adams? He has not had a good start in Scranton so far. He's got a five eleven ERA in five starts. Yeah. Chance Adams is the guy that, that people want to see, I think. Uh, but it's, it's just, not, he's not locating the ball. I mean, it's, I think he's still struggling with this, with very similar issues with location and the Yankees are just not comfortable with him, um, you know, coming up at this point. And Josh Rogers is, is a guy I think not a lot of people really know about. Um, but it's interesting. Another lefty, which is, which is, which is good. So he would kind of take that spot if, if he were to come up, um, if her, if Herman were to struggle at all, but Herman pitched so well, after uh, Montgomery went down in that in that type of situation, when you have a guy come in like that, like really, really just completely nutted up in that situation, um, not expecting, obviously, to come in in the second inning and then, um, you know, going as deep as he did. So it's you know, like definitely tip of the cap to him. And I'm looking forward to seeing him and not in this situation, but I'm still looking forward to seeing him pitch because I think he does have some uh, some some good potential. I think they're going to give him a few go go at it in the in the rotation. Oh yeah, I, at the I, very least. Yeah, I don't think it's a one and done at this point. I think that they're going to slot someone in because they need. There's nobody else that they can bring up that's a sure thing. I mean, it's not like you can bring somebody else right now and say, "Oh, for sure, he's going to he's going to pitch better than Herman." No, just, there's they just got, they don't know that. AJ Cole, who could start, David Hale, who could start, but like <laughs> AJ Cole got released for a reason, right? And then at least at least we've got um, Herman with maybe some upside to look forward to. Yeah, and 
And down the road, I mean, look down the uh, down the lanes a little bit further. Um, Justice Sheffield has uh, has has bounced back. I think after his first ugly start, maybe had one or two bad starts. He's pitched well. I think in the in the um, in his most recent starts too. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him, um, you know, take another jump. Still double A though for him. Yeah, I'm I'm saying I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him uh, start start to climb the ladder a, little, a bit more and i'm not saying it, it would be anything immediate but uh, you know pitchers we've seen them come up from double a before um but it's obviously not ideal yeah and just a quick note rogers is lined up to pitch on sunday as well which is herman and montgomery's uh, spot anyway so at least they're lined up if something bad knock on wood that nothing happens to herman but if something bad happens rogers could slot in there as well um, the bullpen, like I said, it, it came up huge, but Tansis has actually kind of <laughs> sneaky, sneaky, like been, been having a, a solid year, if not for two outings, the one in Toronto where he allowed like 400 stolen bases and the one in Detroit where he allowed like 400 base hits, his ERA would be much better. He struck out 23 batters and only walked five in 12 innings. The eye test though says he's been shaky. The, the stats actually say he's been solid. Well, you know, you see him do well, and then, and then you know, in this last outing, uh, a runner gets on, and he yanks a curveball to the, to the backstop again. <laughs> and you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, like the first pitch. I'm like, come on, bro. He scares the crap out of me with base runners. Yeah, you have no idea what he's going to do. And if you have anybody who's, who's uh, you know, <laughs> anywhere competent on the base path, they're going to be taking bases. If, if nothing else, they're going to be taking stupid leads and you know, advance on on even uh, to another uh, another base on um, on on hits. So he's a liability when there's someone on base. There's no doubt. But he has pitched better. He's gotten himself out of situations, and and that's what we've seen in the past. When he's good, he can get out of situations because he's so dominant. And and it used to be where you know base runners didn't bother him as much. He's always been better with a clean inning, but you know he did. He was a guy that they would bring in at times when there were runners on. And it was never like a huge concern that that guy was just going to all of a sudden run every single time. Yeah, I think you still have to treat him a little delicately because he's obviously still behind Chapman, Chad Green, and um, Robertson. So he's the fourth guy out of the bullpen still. I think you need to pick your spots with him. You need to give him clean innings and and see what you got. You're not going to bring him in. like You feel comfortable bringing in David Robertson with second and third and one out. You don't feel comfortable bringing in Batances in that situation. Right. So you just have to manage that going forward. Well, and, and also, you know, putting him in positions to succeed at this point is, is a good thing because we need his confidence up. We, we know that Dylan Batances can get a little loose between the ears sometimes. And when that does happen, that's, I think, when you start seeing, you know, lack of focus within, a, within an outing or, uh, you know, just erratic, <laughs> erratic behavior on the mound as far as where he throws the ball. Um, you know, so when he's rolling, though, and when he's good and feeling good about that curveball and actually locating the fastball, you know, he's dirty and he's one of the best pitchers in the and one of the best bullpen guys in the league. So he's just got to get his head on right. So let's uh, let's gush about Luis Severino, who nutted up big time after the bullpen needed to get eight innings. He comes out and gives the bullpen a complete day off. It's unbelievable what he was able to do he threw 110 pitches he touched 100 miles an hour in the ninth inning which is border that should be illegal to be throwing 100 miles an hour in the ninth inning Astros hitters were demoralized they were they were walking back to the dugout with their head hung low it was just an unreal performance I mean again when you're when you're coming out 
after the game that that happened the night before with Gary Sanchez walk or you know not walking it off but hitting the uh, the devastating home run to the to the Astros in the ninth inning, you know these guys are coming out motivated and they're you know they're they're going all cylinders and they just had nothing. You just can't do anything when it, when Severino is as good and when he's completely on, you know he's one of those dominant dominant guys in baseball and. It's it's just you know I think back to two years ago when we had no idea what this guy was going to be and the the progression that he's made and the confidence that he shows now is just it's phenomenal it really is and uh, you know we have ourselves a bona fide no doubt Asa at the top of our rotation totally and I'm almost wondering are we taking him a little bit for granted do we not fully appreciate what Severino has been able to do since the start of last year he leads baseball with 20 starts of one or zero earned runs. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I mean, if we if we didn't break down every single one of his uh, phenomenal numbers every single time, um, you know, which I think we do, I think we, we give him a lot of credit. I think a lot of people do appreciate it because, you know, we had Tanaka in, in Tanaka's first couple of years. He was he was a, a very, very good um, top of the rotation guy. And he was the ace for that uh, for a, for the for the a short term, I'd say. Um, but he's always been, you know, a top flight starter. And when you see. What Tanaka was at, at, at his peak, I'd say, it, they're very different pitchers in, in the way that they approach things. But when you see Severino compared to that, it's like Severino just doesn't put a lot of doubt in your mind. He just, when, when he needs to take care of something, he just, he kind of, he, he just goes at it and, and chops down immediately because he's got that devastating fastball. He's got that devastating, um, that, that slider. And when you can dominate with two pitches and then show, uh, you know, a, a, a gimmick changeup every once in a while, but really you're dominating on two pitches, I mean, that's that's a guy that you have a full full confidence in, full confidence, which yeah, is a I little different. S- I would say tonight, I mean, he was just mainly just mowing him down with his fastball. He threw 60 fastballs, averaging 98 miles an hour. Uh, he was working fast. He he uh, he was standing out on the mound like the batters were stepping out. Severino was not even getting off the rubber. He was yeah. just staring dead straight. Like, give me the freaking ball. Let's go. I'm gonna blow this past you. Locked so, in. so you know, as much as yes, you're right. Tanaka was numbers wise a top of the rotation guy. He didn't have that kind of presence on the mound ever. Oh, the, the presence was never there for sure. And he was, you know, he's such a different pitcher, a different style pitcher that it just doesn't feel the same. I mean, Severino's literally blowing guys away and, and you know, th- you know, showing a, a motion on the mound. And he's just one of those guys that you just, he's a horse and you got confidence behind that guy because, you know, he can't blow you away with 100 miles an hour in the, in the ninth inning. Tanaka can't do that. I mean, that's what Justin Verlander did the other day. You saw Verlander throwing uh, high 90s. And he was throwing. He was he was throwing pure fastballs to Stanton and strike. And Stanton couldn't touch it. He finally, um, you know, had a hit a ball to right field. I think on uh, Verlander's uh, last. It was it his last inning or second to last inning. He threw ninety eight miles an hour. But he was blowing the fastball by guys as well. So I think when these guys are on, um, you just you know you're at their mercy. And on the other side of it tonight, Stanton. Finally came up huge. Two home runs off Keuchel. That was the first home run any Yankee has ever hit off Dallas Keuchel, uh, which is just unbelievable how much Keuchel has dominated the Yankees in the past. But he hit the ball to right field, which I thought was like a little line drive off the end of the bat. That goes into the first row of the stands. And then he hits a ball into the short porch in left field, but it was a missile line drive. And then he added an, an RBI late in the game. So it was four RBIs for Stanton tonight. Does this... Finally wake him up. Like, how many times have we said that? 
I don't know. He's he's been he's been a guy that flashes so far. That's that's the kind of the guy we've seen. But I mean, if you look at the numbers at the end, he's still p- very productive. Uh, the stat the lines are there. He's got he's got a you know the he's got the home run totals. He's got the Seven. RBIs. Interesting, actually. Uh, yes, put this up. He has the same number of home runs through this day last year as he as he. Uh, he started off really slow so last year. Seven home runs, and he hit fifty nine of them. So, so we're we're good. We're, we're on we're on pace. <laughs> well, well, we're good. The rest of the league is fucked. Yeah, they are. Everybody is everybody is screwed because when this lineup is uh, is clicking on all cylinders, and it looks like our boy uh, uh, Greg Bird is coming back actually sooner. Well, he's going on the field it. sooner than we expected. He is. He's doing. You know, he's scheduled it. for rehab assignments. That's that's crazy. I was not expecting it to even uh, get. I really thought this was going to play out longer. I really did. <laughs> he's not back yet, Scott. No, I'm talking about just being away from baseball. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm surprised he's even back to rehab assignments at this point. That's well. You I know am. who's away from baseball even more now is Jacoby Ellsbury, placed on the 60 day DL. Did you, uh, yeah? So you you talked to Brian. Did you ask him at all? Did you guys uh, have uh, any discussions about? I I did, and I'm not I'm not going to say it on. I'm going to wait right. to, so the listeners teaser. can see. I asked if um, anyone has seen or heard from Jacoby Ellsbury. <laughs> yes. I have to hear what Brian Hoke had to say about that. Yeah. So I also, was, I wasn't able to get to that conversation, but that was a question that I really wanted to have you <laughs> ask because I I do want to know where has anybody? It's like where's Waldo? Has anybody seen right. Jacoby? Yeah. Well, wait, wait, and listen, and find out. Nice. And uh, I also think that Hoke and I deserve some credit for making Stanton bust out of his slump because we spent a solid five minutes. You'll hear talking about how much he struggled. Yeah. Well, it's that's exactly <laughs> how it's supposed to happen. I don't think anybody's going to be mad about it, and I don't think yeah. anybody's going to be mad about it. And and I mean, look, like we just said, he has flashed, and this is one game. So let's see some, and not not to say that this is a guy that has to prove that he, you know, that he's going to get back because. You know, he's literally the National League reigning MVP. So he's going to be back. Um, but he, he has been struggling. It's completely fair. He, can't hit a, he hasn't been able to hit a fastball in the last two weeks, uh, really the whole season. I mean, he's really struggled on four-seam fastballs, which to me is mind-boggling. Yeah, he especially against Verlander, he looked lost. In fairness, everyone looked lost against Verlander. But it was the ugliness of the swings and the amount he was missing the pitches that was really concerning. It was borderline Chris Carter level. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I mean, when he couldn't get that run in or make any contact uh, in, the, in the ninth inning, it was, uh, it was extremely frustrating. But we all saw what happened. And it led to somebody punching themselves in the face. So it's all good. <laughs> Gary Sanchez had to clean up the garbage in front of him. Again, yeah, there's a lot of garbage in front of the four hitters. <laughs> uh, one quick other thing about uh, when I was talking to Brian. He used the phrase doublethink, which um, is from the book 1984. I don't know if you ever read that book, Scott. No, I have not. All right, anyway, I said, oh, uh, that's a 1985 reference. I got the year the title of the book wrong. I thought it was 1985, not 1984. So I felt dumb about that. I was trying to sound smart, and I yeah, ended up backfired. sounding even stupider than Damn. I than I. I should just shut my mouth whenever I try and. I, I should never try and sound smart in the future. Is basically what I'm saying. No, you shouldn't. You should definitely. Uh, you should definitely play. Uh, play it close to the vest. It's the <laughs> safest way to go. Expectations stay low at that point. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. Remember, keep an eye out for the book giveaway that will be running through Sunday. We're going to pick a winner Sunday night and then announce it on Monday's show. Scott, any uh, last words? It might be your last words ever since you're going to New Orleans for a bachelor party. Yeah, that's what I thought you meant, honestly. Um, 
No, I just, uh, you know, I hope the, I hope they can close everything out tomorrow afternoon. That's that's a to me a big game because it would be a series win. Uh, I'd, I'd say a very convincing big series win if they can, if they can win tomorrow Thursday. Um, oh yeah. So that's a that's a that's a big deal, and you know it doesn't get any easier. They just they keep going. I, I think ones they they have a uh, off day on Monday, right? Um, that's the first one in a while. So uh, big big series coming up this weekend too. All right, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. I'm as free as Andy Dufresne was standing in the rain after escaping Shawshank coming out to drain. And these days you ain't holding me back. I'm flowing these raps. The painting ain't a thing when the music in my brain. I'm joining the podcast now is Brian Hoke. He's been on a number of times and he's going to be joining us throughout the season. Brian, how's Houston? Houston is good. Yeah, the uh, temperatures are warm. Don't have to wear a heavy coat and a jacket when you go to the ballpark which is nice uh, considering the way things have been in new york but i hear the uh, the weather's warming up so uh if that's true i'm uh, looking forward to getting on that plane and coming back it was it was beautiful in new york this week it's 88 degrees today on wednesday in the city sounds not, good not a cloud yeah, in the sky. yeah all right uh, and uh th- yeah the last time the yankees were home it was frigid it's been frigid all all season in new york for them how much of a factor do you think that actually played in how they got off to a kind of a rocky start well, I don't think it helped. I think that, uh, you know, both teams obviously had to deal with it, but the Yankees had to deal with it consistently night after night. And it felt like, you know, no matter where they went, they were never able to, to warm up a little. They started the year up in Toronto. They came home. Uh, they went to Detroit and got two games rained out there. Just a lot of bad weather in the early season. And, and they weren't alone in that regard. You know, that happened to a lot of teams around the league. But I, I think what you've seen is uh, a little more consistency here. And obviously going uh, – nine in a row winning 10 out of 11 coming into tonight's action uh team's playing really well and they're they're clicking in a lot of different ways so i think uh for yankee fans there's a lot of reasons to be excited right now one thing i've noticed about this team over the last two weeks is that they're actually playing better against better competition now they were they weren't clicking against teams like miami and baltimore but a lot of yankees mm-hmm. fans were pretty nervous going into this stretch i mean not no off days i think it was for what was it 13 13 days or something like that and they were playing really good in a row Okay, there you go, 18 rides, and they were yeah. playing very good teams, um, but mm-hmm. they've actually been playing better now than they have all season. And what impressed me was, uh, take that Angel series, for example, they won all those games in different ways, you know, they, mm-hmm. they rallied in the Friday night game, uh, Gardner ties it up with a sack fly, Didi hits the, uh, the go-ahead home run, and in the Saturday game, they blow them out, they score 10 runs in the first two innings and win 11-1 in, in a laugher, and uh, on Sunday, uh, a really tight pitcher's duel, and they're able to hang on for a 2-1 to one victory over the Angels. So I, mean, I think what you're seeing is the, this team can do it in a lot of different ways. seems like there's a different guy stepping up every day. And, um, you know, even the, uh, the guys that they've brought up from the minor leagues to plug in here, like a Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar, uh, they're contributing. They're, they're not just here as placeholders. So I think uh, all those things together, it's, it's pretty exciting. You, you, you still haven't really caught a hot streak from a Giancarlo Stanton yet either. So uh, when that finally does click, and it will click, I mean, he, he did not win the National League MVP by accident. Um, yeah, I think that that's just going to give them a whole other weapon in the heart of that lineup. Yeah, right now what we're seeing out of Stanton is he's he does not seem to every time I've I've thought he's going to bust out and turn back into MVP Stanton, he seems to regress a little bit. And then these last couple of games in Houston, he's looked he's looked lost at the plate. I mean, I think he struck out he faced uh nine pitches and made three outs, two of them strikeouts last night at one point, and he's missing a lot of fastballs. Yeah, it's not it's not a good sign. I think that uh, the timing is clearly off for him and uh, you know, I, I would just say to Yankee fans, you know, I, I spoke to 
couple people with the Marlins who have been around uh, Stanton for, for a long time in his career. And, um, yeah, I mean, this happens. <laughs> this is not uncommon. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, clearly we haven't seen John Culler Stanton on a day-to-day basis, but uh, when it clicks and as it did uh, after the All-Star break last year, he just catches fire and he can strap a team on his back for, for a long period of time. But he is a streaky hitter up there. I think that uh, – He's surrounded with enough guys in the lineup where Gary Sanchez is hitting well. Aaron Judge it went into a little bit of a, a tailspin over the, the Angels series, but uh, had been hitting well and being really selective. Didi Gregorius, obviously uh, American League Player of the Month for April. I mean, they've got a lot of places they can uh, kind of ride those horses and wait till that, that one big guy uh, steps in there. Could you see Boone moving him either down to the five spot to get Gary up because he's playing well right now or even maybe putting Stanton second? moving judge around to see if we can, we can get some good pitches for, for Stanton to see. I feel like Boone would be more likely to move Stanton to the five spot than he would be to elevate him to the two. I think he really likes judge in the two hole just because of uh, his on base ability. He said that a couple times, how he, he really, really wants to stick with judge in the two spot. So he's open to moving Stanton down. He's done it once already. He moved him from three to four. And, uh, you know, if this continues for another, you know, four, five, six days, you know, maybe maybe that's something he explores. But I think he really wants to get Stanton those at bats to get him going because, uh, you know, if that's one or extra two at bats a series, uh, you know, you want to get that guy up to the plate because when he's going good, like I said, he can really carry it. How much do you think having to play left field and also DHing a lot more than normal for him has factored into his offense? He hasn't complained about it, but I think that I think you're probably on the right path there. I think that uh, you know players are creatures of habit and, and rhythm, and this is a, a superstar level player that uh, is used to having that every day, playing for a National League team where there was no DH, where you just that's it, you go and you look at the lineup and you're out in right field, and and that's what you're counting on. So I think bouncing around a little bit from DH to right field to left field, I think it's been an adjustment for him, as has playing in a, a completely new team with a new coaching staff and. Uh, new teammates. I mean, there's a lot going on here. And he talked about that a little bit. I remember during the series at Fenway Park, he had said that during uh, the first homestand, he, he kind of had his mind on a, a few too many things. And he's trying to, to kind of simplify it and block out some of the noise. And we asked him, what, what kind of noise are you talking about? He said, nothing to worry about. But I think that uh, clearly there's a lot of moving parts to Giancarlo Stanton, some on the field, some off the field right now. And uh, I think it's just an adjustment process, and we've seen this before with players, especially superstar players, when they come to New York. Sometimes it, it takes a little while. That's, that's pretty cryptic, what he's talking about there. That's, uh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> you know, somebody in the – one of the writers in the New York Times did a really good story. I think it was Billy Witts about how Stan was trying to find apartment uh, uh, furniture for his apartment that right. he's splitting with A.G. Ramos of the, the Mets and – I don't know if that, I don't know if it has anything to do with his couch or his bed, but I, I would certainly hope not. I, I think there's probably some other stuff going on there, and and just the whole lifestyle change of Miami versus New York and and uprooting your entire life. I think there is something to that. Can you tell Stanton for me that if he needs somebody to be his assistant to handle his furniture, I can, I can be that person for him? <laughs> like the guy's signed a three hundred million dollar contract. People, yeah. Yeah, there's a long line of people who are probably waiting to, to help him out. And, yeah. uh, you know, this guy's uh, got a pretty big paycheck coming his way, so he probably gives out some pretty good tips too. Right, right. So we're recording before Wednesday's game. The news about Montgomery just, just sort of broke that he's going to be out six to eight weeks with a uh, flexor strain in his elbow. Just when we thought maybe the Yankees were turning the corner as far as injuries goes and guys were getting back, we saw Frazier rehabbing, we saw Drury rehabbing. 
Bird is actually doing stuff on a field again. We have this Monty news. Yeah, it's, it's, I hate to pull a Girardiism on you, but it's not what you want. Um, you know, especially with starting pitching being so thin for this team. We, we talked about that being a concern coming into this year and, and knowing that Montgomery is not going to be there for the next two months, probably. I mean, that is definitely a, a significant blow for this Yankee team. I think that uh, the good news is they're saying this does not appear to be a precursor to Tommy John surgery. I guess you never completely know that, but at least for the time being, they're, they're thinking that they'll have him back in the middle of the season for the stretch drive. And, and that'll be a, uh, a boost to them, I think, if they can get a healthy Jordan Montgomery back in that, that rotation. But they're going to need him. I, uh, Domingo Herman's going to step in for now. Uh, he pitched really well last night, came in, gave four scoreless, uh, going toe-to-toe with Justin Verlander, really impressive outing. And uh, He's a guy that, uh, you know, you talk to scouts and uh, people around the team, and, and they've been saying for a while, watch out for this guy, check out this stuff. And, and everything you've seen so far has lived up to that. So he's going to get a chance. He'll start on Sunday against Cleveland, and I, I think that he's going to stick in the rotation at least for a few turns until they, uh, they figure out if they need to do something else there. Isn't a flexor strain the same thing Caprillion had back in 2016? And I believe the Yankees said the same thing. This is not a precursor to Tommy John. And then we all know what happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I, I've heard that too. And uh, you hate to say it, but uh, that question definitely was asked. And, um, you know, as of right now, they say it's not. So I think you, you cross your fingers and hope for the best, but there, there's certainly no guarantee that it can't turn into that. So uh, and you'd hate to see that considering how, impressive Montgomery was uh, in his rookie campaign last year, really pitching a lot of big games for this team. Um, he, he was a big part of their success in the regular season last year. And uh, yeah, still could be uh, down the stretch in the second half this year. We'll see. Herman definitely earned a spot in the rotation, especially after what he did last night coming uh, in relief um, in an emergency situation. Do you think though, this is uh, he could, you, I believe you just said he could stick in the rotation for the, the month or two that, that Montgomery is out. Um, but do you think the Yankees think of him as a, a long-term uh, solution in the rotation to fill in right now? I, I think as of right now, the people that they have on staff, yeah, I, I think that he would be their first go-to choice. I know that A.J. Cole is here and David Hale is here. Those guys are, are in the back end of the bullpen, and they have some starting experience. And then you can rattle off the name of guys down in the minor leagues who might be called upon to, to help out at some point. You know, Josh Rogers, uh, we've talked a lot about Chance Adams, although he hasn't been pitching that well this season. Uh, Justice Sheffield has been pitching well, but he's down at double-A ball and he's 21 years old. So who knows if they want to accelerate that. I think that Herman is a, is a guy who has bided his time. He's here. He's, he's on the big league roster. And, uh, you know, if he, if he can pitch anything like he did over those four innings last night, um, he, he can get stretched out pretty quickly. I think next time he'll be up to about 80, 85 pitches. After that, you would think he could go a full hundred if he had to, and uh, you know, he could be in pretty good shape. I, I think he's going to give you a competitive outing, and he really impressed me a lot last night going up against a, a lineup that was the defending World Series champions. Yeah, both teams have been pitching unbelievably in this series. It almost has seemed like an extension of the ALCS, games eight and nine. I thought that too. I thought that this morning. I just the intensity. The crowds have been a little uh, less than they were with the last time the Yankees were here. But I, I feel like the quality of the games. I mean, the games have been under three hours. And uh, man, that outing by Justin Verlander last night. I mean, if that's in October, people are talking about that forever. Um, you know, fourteen strikeouts and a hundred five pitches. That that's crazy to me. Uh, but the Yankees matched it, and I, I guess that, uh, you know, if last night's game was in the American League Championship Series, I think that uh, a lot of people would have a Gary Sanchez poster on their wall <laughs> and come a few months from now. 
Uh, I'm sure you've seen these numbers, but Verlander in his uh, last three starts in Houston against the Yankees, 24 innings, one run allowed, and 35 strikeouts. So he's basically been the best pitcher of all time against the Yankees. That will play in this league, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I think the, the best news for the Yankees is he, he burned out 105 pitches and they're not going to have to see him again uh, before their plane gets off the ground tomorrow. But it's the same sort of a same thing as last year in the playoffs that we saw where the starting pitching for Houston is just filthy and Charlie Morton is now looking like a top-of-the-rotation guy. Garrett Cole has been unbelievable. I know the Yankees are not going to see him. But then you get into that Houston bullpen and the Yankees almost stole the game on Monday and then they did steal mm-hmm. the game last night. So I don't know. I still have, if I'm Houston, I'm still questioning my bullpen. Are you trying to say Houston, we have a problem? <laughs> I, I didn't want to go there, but at least you did. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the, it's really interesting how these two teams match up because the Yankees bullpen is obviously such a huge strength of this team and uh, their, their starting rotation is supposed to be a weakness. And then it's almost a flip with Houston. Um, I think that uh, this Houston team, you know, a few people, Aaron Boone has mentioned it. Brett Gardner said it a few days ago, too. This Houston team might be better than the one that won the World Series last year. So, I mean, this is a very formidable opponent. That's scary. Um, they're going to get a full year out of Verlander. They added Gary Cole. But the Yankees made some changes, too. I mean, I, I think that this Yankee team might be better than the one from 17 as well. Uh, anytime you can add a, an MVP like Giancarlo Stanton, obviously he hasn't played like one yet, but uh, you're getting contributions from guys like Andujar and Glaber Torres. I mean, uh, compared to last year's team, would you rather have Andujar and Glaber Torres, or would you have uh, Starlin Castro and uh, Todd Frazier at third base? I don't know. I think I might go with uh, the 2018 Yankees for that one. Yeah, I'm with you, especially with the way that we've seen them play. Um, do you, are you making anything out of this this uh, spin rate beef on Twitter between Trevor Bauer and McCullers and the Houston the Houston team? It's fun to keep track of. I think it's it's certainly been entertaining. Um, but as far as the uh, you know, it, baseball has already been looking into somehow increasing the tackiness of the ball. So I'm not surprised if that's what it turns out to be. That I mean, gosh, we lived through the Michael Pineda thing. And uh, Pineda's explanation back in the day was basically, I'm just trying not to kill anybody. You know, it was a cold night at Fenway Park. He didn't know where the ball was going to go. And he didn't want to hit anybody in the head with it. And I think that's why a lot of the time I remember, I know I'm rolling the clock back a few years, but players like David Ortiz were like, that's fine. We don't care. Go ahead and use it. You know, they would rather uh, the pitcher know where it's going when he's throwing 98 miles an hour than have something coming in with their head and and may possibly end their career or alter it in some way. So I I think that um, it's in a lot of ways that people outside the game are trying to find something. And and look, I mean, there must be a magic potion, a reason that these guys have come to Houston and and kind of caught a second gear in their career. But I'm I'm not so sure that bubble gum or or tackiness is, is the reason there, but uh, I'm certainly following along, and it's entertaining to watch. And uh, I, I think that uh, could we just give credit, maybe, that they're great pitchers and, and they're pitching great for right now? Maybe, maybe that's uh, the way to go there. Well, Justin Verlander, absolutely. Garrett Cole, absolutely. But when Charlie Morton yeah. is averaging 93 miles an hour on his fastball in 2015, and he's touching 99 consistently on Monday night, something's up. Isn't that funny? It's like, that's not pine tar. That's not bubble gum. Yeah. That's not suntan lotion. Right. That's something else. Uh, I don't know what it is, but that, that's weird. I don't think bubble gum would do that. I've chewed a lot of bubble gum in my day, and uh, it's never done anything like that for me. So who knows? Right. Uh, Sonny Gray, though, also looked good. And I, even though the Yankees lost on Monday night, that was the big takeaway. And I think, I, I know I was happy after Sonny Gray's performance on Monday. 
Yeah, and it's something the Yankees were very encouraged about, too. I know it came in a losing effort, but for him to go six strong, especially considering how lost he'd looked at times, um, to to turn in a quality start against this team on the road in this ballpark, I, I think that was a huge step forward. That's a confidence booster for Sonny Gray. And, um, you know, I, I know that the Aaron Boone had wanted to stay away from the personal catcher thing, and uh, but Sonny has made it pretty clear that he would prefer to pitch to Romine whenever possible going forward. And so I think the Yankees are going to try to accommodate those wishes. And, um, you know, whether or not it would be Boone's preference to have a person on a catcher, at some point you got to not cut off your nose to spite your face. And uh, I, I think that uh, if that's what's going to get Sonny Gray back on track, and, and maybe you can revisit the Gary Sanchez thing later in the year, but it almost felt like they were trying to force a, a round peg into a square hole in a lot of ways. And, uh, if it works better with Romine and gets Gray on track, that's that's hugely important, especially considering the the injury to Montgomery and now that the uh, the depth has been or will be tested here. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of personal catchers. I chalked up I chalked it up to the fact that Sonny Gray came over at the trade deadline last year and just didn't have a lot of time to work with Sanchez. Uh, and I figured after a full off season and spring training, they would be able to get on the same page. Clearly, they haven't. Uh, but what are your th- what, what are your just general feelings on personal catchers? I don't love it because I, I think that it, it kind of hamstrings you in a lot of different ways. You know, now that suddenly means that you can't uh, DH Sanchez on a different day or you're going to lose his bat on that, that day. It, it kind of reduces the number of options that you have. And then, of course, in the postseason, I, I think that becomes a huge issue as far as you're going to be losing a bat out of your lineup because Romine's going to have to, to catch and if, if they should get that far. And I, I know we've lived that once already here with, with Sonny Gray and Austin Romine. So, um yeah, I don't read a whole lot into the numbers. Uh, you know, everybody keeps throwing those numbers back out, myself included, just for the sake of completeness. Um, they are substantially different with uh, Romine and, and Sanchez behind the plate, a small sample size, of course. But I, I think that when a pitcher is making it very clear that he and Romine click together, uh, I think you do have to pay attention to that. Yeah, and it's not that it's – I, I still think Gary Sanchez is a great catcher. and In fact, CeCe Sabathia has given credit to Sanchez for mm-hmm. calling great games. And after the, his performance on Sunday night, credited Gary Sanchez. So I think the ability, I think Sonny Gray and Gary Sanchez could and still should be able to get on the same page. I would agree with you there. But I think that so much of being a major league pitcher is having confidence and conviction in your pitches. And, you know, we've already seen Sonny's a guy who tends to nibble around the zone and likes to bounce curveballs in the dirt. And if he doesn't have absolute faith that Gary Sanchez is going to block that ball, then he may shy away from it, you know, consciously or subconsciously and, and maybe go to a pitch that was a second choice in that situation. I think there's some of that going on. I think there's a lot of thinking going on in Sonny Gray uh, when he's out on the mound, maybe a little too much at times. Uh, he can kind of overthink a lot. And I think that the, the difference he has between Sanchez and Robine is uh, when he has Gary back there, he's probably double thinking or, or kind of, you know, questioning things a little bit more often. I, I think with Romine, he has the confidence that he can just see the sign, shake it off or go with it. And when he goes with it, he's 100 percent certain that that's the right pitch to throw right there. Mm-hmm. Double think. You just threw a 1985 reference on us. <laughs> uh, he, uh, Sonny Gray used his fastball more. Uh, in the start and also Tanaka has been using his fastball more his last two starts and he's pitched much better I think that's the biggest key for Tanaka because we saw him throwing a bunch of off-speed stuff it was not working and I know that's the Yankees pitching philosophy in general but um, what did you what did you see out of Tanaka his last two times out 
Yeah, I, I think that uh, that's certainly something that it, I think there's something very valid there. Uh, he's looked pretty good. He really has to me. I think that uh, we know what the, he can be when everything's right. Um, I, I think that I've read the same articles you did about the Yankees fastball, uh, you know, kind of shying away from fastballs could be playing an issue with some other pitchers. I think that one was written about Gray, but with Tanaka, I, I think that, uh, you know, he, he is what you expect him to be at this point. And I think that a big part of their success during this stretch run, you know, I know the offense went bonkers over the nine game winning streak, but the starting pitching has really been there consistently night after night. And uh, I, I think that as that starting pitching goes, so will the Yankees, because it's, it's really hard to win a lot of games, 10 to eight in this league. Um, so the infield situation is going to be dicey when we get uh, jury back with Andujar and Walker on the roster not performing. I don't think Gleyber Torres is going anywhere. And then eventually no. you're going to have Bird coming back. So what are they going to do with all these these moving parts? That's a great question. <laughs> I wish I knew the answer to that. Um, I, I think that uh, you're going to get Drury back at some point. Uh, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. Will he see some reps at second base? Maybe he could even go back to the outfield. He's got some experience out there. I, I think that's possible. But Andujar has done nothing wrong at third base. The defense has actually been better than I expected it to be, too. Uh, I thought the bat was going to play in this league. Uh, Clay Ratoris, uh, I think, all around in, in a small sample size has impressed me on both sides of the ball. I think he's your second baseman going forward. Um, he's he's a better defender than I think I gave him credit for. He's he's a, he's very smooth. I, I don't think they've had a, a defensive second baseman since Robbie Cano like him. So um, I've been very impressed with him. And you know, with Bird, as you know, Boone was saying here, he's he's getting closer to playing in games. He might be a week or ten days away from playing in games down in Florida. Uh, that keeps him on track to, to be back with the big team in uh, probably late May. They were talking six to eight weeks after the surgery, so he's getting closer to that. And um, you know, and then I, I guess uh, you, you figure out what you're going to do. Maybe it's a left-right platoon between Kyler Austin and Greg Bird at first base because uh, they both deserve to be in the lineup as well. So I think that uh, that's a long way of saying I don't think it sounds like great news for Neil Walker, but hmm. uh, I suppose it's still time for uh, for them, him to change their minds too. And as it seems with this team, somebody else might be injured at that point. It seems like it always works out that way. Isn't that funny? You never know. Uh, these problems always seem to take care of themselves. And we, we go over so many different machinations of the depth chart. And, well, if this guy does this and this guy does this, and a spot always seems to open up. You know? So it, I think that uh, baseball is a game of attrition, and uh, it's never bad to have so many healthy guys on the comeback. Final thing, speaking of uh, injuries, Ellsbury was moved to the 60-day DL. Is he even with the team? Is he around the team when they're in New York? And also, do you, no. think, we, do you think we ever see him play on the, for the Yankees again? <laughs> ever in life? Um, yeah, in life. I, no, I have, I have not personally laid eyes on him since spring training. Uh, he's been down there in Tampa. I know he did come back to New York for one day. He got a cortisone injection, but I never saw him. Um, yeah, he's he's almost like the forgotten man. He's still got a locker at Yankee Stadium, but uh, oh, I'm not even sure sad. if he's been there. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> even sure dust. if he's been there. The mail the mail is piling up at oh. it. And he's he's got a bunch of shoe boxes there, but there's not a whole lot going on. So I and you know I just asked Aaron Boone about him about 15 minutes ago, and uh, you know there's really a whole not not a whole lot to report there. He's he's been sidelined with these different injuries, and he's doing some batting tee work and some toss, hitting soft toss, but it sounds like he's not even close to getting on the field. So uh, until he starts getting into games and getting those reps, uh, it's really hard to have any kind of realistic timetable. I think he's going to have to go through an entire spring training 
Uh, he really only played, I think, in four or five games in the spring off the top of my head before the oblique injury. So uh, it's going to be a while. And it's funny, you know, you think back and uh, there was a time in April where people were saying, well, Ellsbury might be the answer and, and maybe he'll come back and take back center field from Aaron Hicks while Hicks is on the DL. And that feels like it was a month ago or two months ago because uh, obviously that did not turn out to be the case. And Ellsbury... Maybe after the All-Star break. Who knows? I, I really uh, – I'd just be guessing at this point. Right. Well, Brian, thanks for joining us, and enjoy the rest of the trip down to Houston. All right. You got it. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show – We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.